0: I have an extra special guest today because I'm bringing you one of my friends, Lauren Francois, onto the podcast, and we are talking about all things money. We talk about why women should go after wealth. We talk about defining wealth for yourself and what that means as an individual. We talk about money and kids. We talk about spending and splurging and skimping on various things. Per usual, when I bring on a conversational guest, we go in all different directions, but it always resonates back to the main message, and you guys are going to get so much gold and enjoyment, and I hope you just have a fun time with Lauren and I as we converse. So Lauren and I met through Network marketing, our network marketing business. And we have become such close friends because we have a lot of similar values. We have similar kids. We, our age of our kids is similar. There's so much about us that is the same. And I truly treasure her friendship in so many ways. And I'm grateful to bring her to you here on the podcast. Lauren is a money mindset mentor and coach. She has helped me in so many ways. She does impactful work through her courses and one-on-one coaching. I will leave all the information down in the show notes for that. She has a podcast, Wealthy Woman podcast, which I am the producer of. I absolutely love Doing the back end work and production for Lauren's podcast. And so I want to make sure that while you are listening to this episode, you stick around till the end, because I've got a little nugget at the end for my women of faith, because I, a while ago was working on a secret project that never really came into the world, but it was looking at what God tells us to do with wealth and resources and money, and as I was going through creating this, I found such profound (laughs) guidance in why women should be involved with the exchange of value, the the money situation, and I'm going to talk about that at the end. You're going to love this episode, it's a long one, so let's jump in. Welcome to the Living in Sync podcast, where we will talk about the biological blueprint of your cycle and how your hormones impact every area of your life. I'm your host, Joelle, certified nutritionist, mom of two, fitness coach for over a decade, and I want to help you better understand your cycle to work with your body in achieving your goals. I will teach you how to care for your body in a well-rounded and realistic way that caters to your season of life and feel freaking amazing. In every episode, you will get tips, takeaways, and just feel like this is a heart-to-heart chat with a friend. Let's roll into today's episode. All right, my friends, we are going to have a special episode because I'm bringing on one of my friends in real life, as you guys already know that from the pre-intro. But Lauren, I'm so excited to have you back on the podcast because I know we did a mindset episode together a long time ago after I worked with you on a lot of mindset stuff that I was going through so welcome back
1: thank you yes I'm so excited to be back
0: this is gonna be fun because there's (laughs) just different energy when you bring on a guest that you don't really know in real life but Lauren and I have taken vacations together. We've gone on business trips together, traveled with each other, like slept in the same hotel room. So you guys are gonna get a really good episode that's filled with some great golden nuggets and also some great conversation. But really what I want you to talk about to kick off is what drew you into studying money mindset, wealth, and now teaching it to other people. Like I know with knowing you for over the like decade that we've known each other. Yes, almost.
1: almost. We're almost at a decade. Yeah, 2014, it's, it's I think been, is when we met.
0: <laughs> it's been fitness and then a lot was into mindset. And then now really delving into money and wealth. Like, how come that topic in specific drew you to like it drew? It was drawn to you.
1: So I've actually always been someone who has loved money. And I'm just going to say, like, the way we talk about – the way I talk about money is very unapologetically. I have always – ever since I was little, I don't know what it was, but I just wanted to make a lot of money. I was drawn – to the like more luxurious lifestyle. I, and it's just always really intrigued me. And as I dove into entrepreneurship and business, after years of kind of feeling like I was stuck at this certain income, I was ready to figure out like, what is holding me back? And I had felt like I had tried everything. So maybe this resonates with you guys. I know this resonates with Joelle because we've talked about this, but I was at this place where I felt like I had tried all the strategies. I was doing, I was doing all of the things that, you know, you're told to do in order to make more money. And I wasn't making more money. Mm -hmm. And so I was, it's like, well, there's got to be something that I'm missing. And so I actually started working with a mentor. And one of the things we heavily focused on was money mindset. And so this really came about from my own personal journey going through and learning about money mindset. And, you know, I've been interested in mind, I was interested in mindset first. And then applying mindset to money takes it to a whole different level because we have – there's so much conditioning around money, right? Mm-hmm. And so it really – this this interest in it really came just from diving into it myself and my own personal journey, seeing the impact that it has made on my my life, my relationships, my business. And I just truly believe that we are meant to have the success and the wealth that we desire. And I wanted to say this from the beginning because when I say wealth, you probably have a certain number that comes to your mind. So when I say wealth, a lot of women link that with having a lot of money, like millionaires. Like it multi-millionaires. needs
0: to be huge and astronomical and like lofty and out there. Yes,
1: exactly. So when we say wealth, we think like lots and lots and lots of money. But when I talk about creating the wealth that you desire, I want you to know that wealth isn't a particular number. That number is subjective. That number is going to change from woman to woman. So for one woman, wealth could be, well, I just want to, as a family, make six figures or multi-six figures, and that is going to be the kind of money that allows me to live the kind of life I want to live. For another woman, she could be like, heck no, I want seven figures, multi-seven figures, because the kind of life I want to live requires that amount of money. So I don't want you to connotate wealth with a certain number. Wealth is whatever number, whatever amount of money allows you to live the kind of life that you want to live and the kind of life that we all want to live is very different. Some women want to live a very, very simple life, right? Like they're not into luxury. They're not into travel. They really just want, you know, a comfortable home, maybe some land. They want, you Time and space and presence. They don't want to feel busy. And so the amount of money required for that is going to be different than a woman who says, no, I love luxury. I want to travel. I want to travel in a very luxurious way. I want a big house. Like that's going to require a different amount of money. And neither one. Is right or wrong. It's yes. just
0: whatever you want. It's such an intimate thing. It's really, yes. It really means you have to get intimate with your desire, your want, and really, what I heard somebody explain it once as is like, we often know that like we should like air quoting should make sure that we are being wise with our money and how somebody i think probably even you have explained it in some sort of way of it's really just putting your money's energy into what matters to you and then just cutting out what doesn't matter to you like if you really saw like this is how i use my money and even when it comes to Paying your bills, paying your mortgage—like I now see that—and you talk, you've really helped me with this too. Of when we pay for things, especially when it comes to our home, in in all of those microscopic ways, that we are putting our money and our energy into what matters. So I see everything, like even somebody—we had a HVAC guy come. There was a hundred bucks right there. And it was like, I valued that because our home is something that we love and want to put our time and energy and resources into. And then everything else is like, nope, I don't just because somebody else does that doesn't mean I have to do it.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's so subjective. How we use our money and what we spend our money on is differs from person to person and i don't believe that we're here to judge how anyone decides to use their money and the perfect example of this is myself and my husband the way my money spends or my husband spends money and the things that he spends money on are not things that matter to me they are not a priority for the most part but they are a huge priority to him the things that i spend money on he could care less about like Right. The purses that I like to buy, the clothes I like to buy. He is the epitome of like, let me find the best deal on clothes, like coupons. He loves searching for coupons. He loves buying things on discount. And I'm like, I really like more luxurious clothing and I don't mind. I really like to spend money on clothes. And he, he doesn't get that. He doesn't understand that. But He doesn't have to, right? Like we're all so different. And I don't think we're here to judge how anyone else spends their money. Anyone can spend their money however they want to spend their money. And the way you want to spend your money and the way that the things that you want to prioritize in your life can be very, very different than someone else. That doesn't mean you're right and they're wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think we need to take the
0: judgment out of it and just do what we want to do. Yeah, yeah. So with kicking off with that, ladies, know this is totally and completely an intimate and just something to define within yourself. But why are you so passionate about women going after wealth and women becoming wealthy or women being involved in the finances?
1: Well, first of all, as women, we are very, very new to the wealth game. We're very new to money. We're in our infancy stages. If you think back to just 50 years ago, like our parents, I'm 37. So, our parents, their generation, when they were younger, women could not go out and get their own line of credit. They couldn't have their own credit cards. Like, we were, as women, we were not in control of our money
0: and with Christian think- women with Christian m- women listening I'm going to touch on this even at the end but in biblical times women were allowed they had those types of privileges so it's so wild to me that you're so right where it's like women couldn't open a line of credit When in the modern world, because that still is pretty modern time where biblically women did a lot of the trading, which is the monetary value of things back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: so. For a very long time, women just did not really interact with money whatsoever, right? Women didn't work. They were staying home, raising a family. They didn't have jobs. They didn't generate their own money. As women, we didn't touch money. We didn't handle money. A lot of times, women weren't in on any sort of the money conversation. You know, I think back even to my grandmother and. My grandfather was the one who controlled all of the money. And so we are very new to this. And because of that, we're still working through a lot of the generational beliefs and identities that are very limiting around women with money. And so women have a lot of really funky beliefs about money because of our past and because we haven't been allowed a seat at the table for very long, because we haven't been involved in these conversations. But we are living in a day and age now where we do have these opportunities, right? Women do work. Women can make a lot of money. Women do have financial independence. You can go open your own line of credit. You can buy your own house. You can do pretty much anything you want with money. And so I think it is our responsibility to really heal our relationship with money so that we can start to create a new reality with money that then gets passed down to our children and their children and their children because money beliefs and money stories really are passed down from generation to generation. If you think about... Where you learned about money, what your where your beliefs came when it comes from when it comes to money, they most likely came from your parents. They came from watching your parents. They came from listening to you, how your parents talked about money. They came from if your parents taught you anything about about money, they came from that. And I say, if because in my coaching of many, many women when it comes to money, a lot of them have told me their parents never taught them anything about money.
0: Yeah. 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 And so you guys, Lauren has such a great episode that goes into a lot of reasons why women should become wealthy. And I asked her to bring two of those for us today. So let's dive into those two things.
1: So the first reason, and I want to start off with this one because it includes some statistics that I'm going to read off. And when I read these statistics, my mind was blown. So We have typically been fed the story that more money equals more stress and more money equals worse relationships, specifically as women, right? We are fed this story that if you're a woman who makes a lot of money, if you're a woman that's very successful... You are in. – you're a bitch. Like that's how women who are very successful and make a lot of money are portrayed in society. We are also told the story that if you're really successful, you can't find a man because men don't want to be with successful women. So you can't have a great relationship. If you're very successful, you can't be a great mom, right? So we're we're fed a lot of these either or stories with money and – like great relationships. It's either one or the other. We can't have both. But what the statistics show is that actually women who have more money have less stress and have better relationships. So I'm just going to rattle off a couple of the statistics. So 41% of Gen Xers, which is my age, I believe it's like that's like 26 to early 40s marriages ended due to financial disagreements 41% you guys having a yearly income of 125000 or more lowers the likelihood of divorce by 51% 51% That's crazy 44% of married adults between 18 and 54 years of age cited financial issues as their top stressor Arguing over personal finance issues every week increases the likelihood of divorce by more than 30%. So that's just money and relationships. Now let's talk money and mental health or stress. 65% of respondents to a February 2022 study by the American Psychological Association said money is a source of stress. I guarantee you that number is much higher now because that was February 2022. We are now in May of 2023 with inflation, with the economy, with the fears of recession. That number is significantly higher. But even a a year ago, it was at 65%. 46% 46% of women say money has a negative effect on their mental health, so almost half of women say that money affects their negative health in a or their mental health in a negative way. And then this one just blew me away. 82% of Gen Z, which is 18 to 25, and 81% of millennials, which is 26 to 43, report that money is a significant source of stress. 80%, you guys. 80%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is huge. So if you are sitting here thinking like money doesn't affect me, okay, maybe you're in the 19% or the 18%. That's completely possible. But for the majority of those listening, money is most likely affecting you in a negative way, whether it's through stress or through affecting your relationships. And I I have personal experience, not with my relationship. My husband and I have always had, we, we've not really ever argued over money, but I have a sister who was in a relationship where there was a lot of arguments over money. And these statistics just back that up. So one of the reasons I want women to go after the kind of wealth they desire is because I want you to have an incredible relationship. And I want you to have less stress in your life because incredible relationships and less stress equal more joy. And -hmm. that's what we all want to create a life of joy and happiness and abundance, whatever abundance means to you. And so the statistics show us that if you're creating wealth and you're creating more money, you're less likely to argue in your relationship and you're
0: less likely to have that stress that comes with money. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really common. Like you said, a lot of people listening are probably in that zone of, oh yeah, we've definitely had fights over money. And especially, what I want to clarify is when you, if you think that If you just get this expansive or massive amounts of money you and your husband would probably never fight about it that's not true, because no matter what there's just. Along the lines of life there's just all equal experiences and whether you make a lot of money or a little bit of money there's times where cash seems a little tight or things just seem like there's just not as much wiggle room going on right but if you guys can work together in that alignment of what we've talked about already and understanding like this is important for us to get on the same page about and for us to define what wealth means to both you and your spouse and i don't think it's a one-time sit-down conversation i think it's a conversational touch and then a conversational touch and then a conversational touch because especially for a lot of partners if you sit them down and you're like we're gonna get on the same page financially somebody somebody's gonna get defensive typically right and Likewise, that was a big thing for my husband and I was coming to that, that mutual agreement of like, there are things you spend money on that I wouldn't spend money on that and vice versa. And then not nitpicking at what he spends and then communicating like, this is you nitpicking at what I'm spending. And I clearly said, I, I want to put the money that we make into this because this is what feels right for me can bring a lot of help. So that's why, and I'm going to link that podcast episode in the show notes of like why we started the first half of this episode with these reasons and with that definition of wealth, what it means to you, because it's going to be different for everybody because I, I am, as we'll go into our fun questions, you'll hear even the things that I splurge on are diff it's different than what Lauren talked about, right? Um is there anything you wanted to touch on before we move forward and some of the fun questions I got?
1: Oh, yeah. Can I can I talk about one more thing? Yeah. Quickly? Well, number 1, I think in relationships, no matter what, communication is key. So, just making more money isn't going to magically heal your relationship if there's a lot of other things going on and if communication is closed off, right? Like we have to be constantly communicating with each other. I think we have to be empathetic. We have to be understanding. We have to be able to, you know, give and take and compromise. And there's so much that goes into this. So I'm not just saying like, yeah, if you make a lot of a, a lot of money, all of a sudden, like all your relationship problems are going to disappear. Yeah, that's, that's what I case. was trying to articulate <laughs> yeah. too. So I hope that's that not we the get case the- with the... Money in general. Like money money isn't going to heal any underlying like internal um, challenges that you have. And I could get into a whole side note about how we use money to try to fill gaps. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that money is a common thing that couples argue over and it's something that causes a lot of people stress. So – If we can raise the amount of money you're making, then we can eliminate something, right? Like we can eliminate something so that we can look at other things. Like what else do we need to work on? Where else is there – are there things that we need to address? But the other thing – the other reason I think that it's really important that women go after wealth is because women in the world with money do good things, Mm. right? Like we we complain a lot about what is going on in the world and – the truth is, is that well-resourced women can make a really big impact. So if you are, you know, whether we like it or or not, money in the world is power. Like everything takes money. <laughs> That's just the world that we live in. So we can sit and complain about that or we can do something about it. And so, you know, if I have more money, I can donate to causes that matter to me. I can help my family. I can, you know, do things for my kids. I can, you know, we were able to make, we were able to help our our good uh a family. I'm I'm jabbling things. My husband lost his best friend last year, and we were able to financially help. His wife and their kids, because of the money situation we were in. I've been able to help my sister as she goes through a divorce. We've been able to donate to causes that matter to us in our community. So, you know, if you're looking for something beyond just money, you can do really, really good things with money. You can donate to conservation efforts. You can donate to causes that you would like. You can create a certain kind of lifestyle for your kids. You can leave a a money legacy for them and give them a step up in their life. You can – I mean, there's so many things that we can do. And I truly believe that if women work on healing their their relationship with money, women will do better with money than men. (laughs) I truly believe that. So well-resourced women – impact the world in a really amazing way so if you want to create massive change let's make the kind of money where we can create that kind of change and we can give to the things that matter the most to us so that we can create that impact
0: yeah that's so powerful impactful i'm glad you circled back on that one because it truly is can be a tool where you can make massive impact and come outside of yourself and Mm -hmm. I've seen study after study, when you take the lens off of you and look at community, what's around you and support others, your internal happiness grows. And while you can volunteer with your time and your skills and your talents, money's not the only resource, but it's one that lifts a burden off of people's shoulders. You know, I mm-hmm. can relate with, you know, helping people pay for medical expenses in traumatic situations. And it did feel really good to have that resource and ability when that was what the other person was, was going through. And so I've got some really great questions. One you kind of covered already. So we'll hit that one out of the park right away. What you talked about the things you love to splurge on. But what are some of the things you like to skimp on? Skimp on?
1: Oh my! Like goodness. I'm like
0: I'm not gonna pay a lot for that.
1: Um, you know, it really depends. That's a great question. Let me think about that. Let's. Okay, I've got mine. Let me think about that.
0: So for invest, like I definitely, you guys, if you are on my girl chats, you know, it's like hair, makeup products, like those beauty type of things. Those are my splurges, my extensions, getting my hair done. But my skimp is definitely for sure kids clothes because my boys are so rough and tough. And we're starting to get to now where I'm like, okay, we need a good quality pair of shoes. For the kids because they need to be quality or i'm just going to have to keep rebuying them, but when it comes to like t shirts and various things like I am not going to shop at any expensive bougie boutique when it comes to kids clothes. Um, That's just me because I know a lot of moms get joy from making their kid look like all decked out, but not i'm not i'm not going to buy anything designer, especially when they're the age that they are. Okay,
1: so I also skimp on kids' clothes for the most part. Like, my son's entire wardrobe is from Target. My daughter,
0: I think this could depend on girls versus boys. Oh, also 100%. Because if I have a son, girl, I throw everything I said out the window.
1: <laughs> my son, like, does not care about clothes. So I just buy him everything from Target. My daughter cares a lot more about clothes, and girls' clothes are really, really fun to buy. So I tend to buy nicer dresses for her and but most of her stuff is also from target and when they were younger walmart like I'm still walmart I walmart walmart walmart, walmart.
0: walmart and i'm like
1: <laughs> walmart that is where most of my kids clothes are from um i do not actually spend much on beauty i would say actually skimp on when it comes to like makeup and stuff like that i'm i'm a skimper like go to Walmart, get a couple things. My makeup routine takes like 2 minutes, honestly. I I splurge on like I like to get facials. I have hair extensions, we both so do that would beauty. be <laughs> that would be a splurge, but like in terms of like makeup, that's a skimp. And then I would say I'm pretty in the middle when it comes to clothes. So, I definitely splurge on staple things. Like I will splurge on bags sunglasses, things that I'm using a lot, some nicer pairs of shoes. But for more like everyday stuff, I would say I'm probably more of a skimp. I mean, most of my jeans are from Gap, shirts, you know, Gap, things like that. Like I'm not – I don't spend a ton on that stuff.
0: Yeah, I'm the same – i'm definitely the same when it comes to that because it's like getting a good good winter coat and i always skimp on trends like if there is something cute and trendy that i want to try i'll usually get it in the cheap version and then if i wear it out i'm like okay i'll invest in this Mm -hmm. but i'm so glad like i'm a hat person but remember when those like felt big hats were in There were a lot where it it was like you could get the cheap one or you could get the expensive one. They really kind of looked the same. And I got a cheap one. And every time I put it on, I was like this like felt hat just makes me look like Abraham Lincoln or something. (laughs) So I never (laughs) wore them. But if I saw... You know a like baseball style hat that i really loved and it was more on the expensive side i would get it because i know i wear my brimmed hats all the time so that's where with trends buying the cheap version first and then seeing if it pans out i'll upgrade um so that was a fun super fun question with the time we have left i got a couple more What is one mom gadget that you're like, every mom needs this? And this could take it back to like when they were babies or to now.
1: Oh, my God. You are making me think really hard right now.
0: (laughs) I asked this question to somebody else and I'll give a different answer is I totally will flat out say just like with the toy situation. I'm not one, this could be like a skimp and a splurge too. I'm one that's like, I'm not going to take my time and energy and effort to like go through the kids' stuff and like organize it to go cohesively with one another. So for me as a mom, I think just getting some sort of toy storage that's kind of like little little storage containers that look like, and then you just shove it into it. So we have these like baskets that go into this shelf that has different sizes. Mm -hmm. So then that way, when you're telling the kids to clean up, it's like, grab a basket, put everything in it, put it on the shelf and it looks really good. Oh, another thing, Um, we bought a Hot Wheels car table and it came with like a flat top on it. So Mm -hmm. sometimes we use that as our Lego table And with the flat top on it, and -hmm. then sometimes we open it up and then the kids are enamored with this car track. I will link it in the show notes because if you have little boys, especially if they're around that age of like they're starting to get into cars, like Bryce and Jace are kind of getting out of that, like they're kind of over that toy. But Mm -hmm. we got it when Bryce was like one and he's now going to be seven and we've loved it through all of that. So I'll link kind of what I'm talking about.
1: Okay, so two things. One of them I have and one of them I don't have, but my sisters-in-law are all having babies now and I see that they have this thing and I'm like- I think hey. I know what
0: you're going to say. Should have had.
1: The first and the, a thing that I splurged on hardcore was a really good stroller. And mm. I know, Joelle, you and I are complete, I think we're like completely opposite no. in this. We both have it's... the same stroller, but I got a single Bob stroller and then a double Bob stroller. I- I live in northern Wisconsin. I love going on walks. I have two dogs. Those strollers to this day continue to get used. Not so much the double anymore, but we just went to Disney World and we used the single Bob stroller. And it was like I was so glad we bought that thing or brought that thing. So I would highly recommend if you think you're a person who's going to be walking a lot, really really invest in a good stroller you're not going to you're never going to regret having a really good stroller if you're out and about quite a bit so that was probably like gosh I just use that stroller like daily <laughs> yeah. but the thing that I didn't have is this like play I always just put my kids in um like the play pen like uh yeah. what's it called yeah play a- a, just like a i like a travel one you know yep, yep. but my sisters in law all have these like gated in areas they're like mm-hmm. these fences baby, baby fences i know baby what you're fences about. and they're plastic and they have little like gadgets in the sides of them and they make this huge and i'm doing things with my hands but that you guys are never going to see but they make this like huge fenced in area in their living room And then they put like all the toys in there and you can put the baby in there and you don't have to worry about. And I was like, I wish I would have invested in something like that when my kids were that age when they were little because they had way more space in that than in just like the little foldable playpen that I had.
0: Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That would have been really handy. Okay, so what I thought you were going to say was – if I had kids today with the gadgets that they have now is that car seat that's literally a stroller. So you you keep it attached. What the heck is it called? I'm going to look on Amazon right now.
1: Okay, Did it- I didn't even know that existed. I feel like I... Like, Joelle and I have talked about this quite a bit, but I was never a baby person. Like I... I know, Joelle, you talked about this in um, a previous episode, but I have much more enjoyed life with my children at this age. They're four and a half and six. So we have kids very similar ages.
0: Yeah,
1: I've enjoyed this much, much more. So I feel like once I got out of the baby phase, there was no like looking back. There was no like, oh, I wonder what people are using now. I just see what my sisters-in-law are using. So I have three sister-in-laws, sisters-in-law. I don't know which way is the right way, but, and all three of them have babies. So I now see what they're using. And that's really my only exposure to what people, what moms use now with babies. Cause I'm like done with that phase. On to the next
0: (laughs) well now you're because I'm talking about it now you'll see it and they'll stand out but they're called the Duna and it's literally this car seat and you see how that's a wheel yeah they they take it out of the car and can undo the wheels so they just stroll along everywhere they go now I've I've questioned like how does this work for winter moms right
1: yeah but I don't really use a stroller in the winter though honestly
0: no, but if it was attached, so that's what I'm saying is if I had this type of carrier or this car seat, because it's it's just straight up like this. I don't think there's the option to take that like stroller piece. Okay. Off. But I think if you live in climates that aren't in snow majority of the time, or if you have your newborn in April and you can use it like April all the way until like six to nine months after that, and it's your first kid, that would probably be the perfect situ- situation to buy it. But I see a couple of my girlfriends who live in like North Carolina and in the like southern states where I'm like, that would be so nice to get your kid out of the or get your baby out of the car, see it and just dunk, there's the wheels. That would be Stroll- do you ever this
1: is such a tangent question. I like to ask moms this who are kind of beyond the baby phase now. Do you ever wonder what you would be like as a mom of a baby now with the experience and wisdom that you have? Yes, I think versus all the time. how you actually were. Because we both have two kids and we both stopped at two kids. And I have always cause I'm 37 now. I'm gonna be 38 this year. And I when I think about having a third, I'm like, I think I would be really different. I think I would be
0: much more chill. thousand percent. I would literally spend the fourth trimester just sitting and lounging and smelling my baby, like getting outside. But when I had Bryce, it was like, get back into my workout routine, get back into business. And I very much was like, oh, my baby isn't going to change my life. And then I had a baby that literally had every condition that changes your life. And I know that if I were to become a mom of a newborn now, and I even have a girlfriend who, just had a newborn little girl. And there are times where I'm like, I should just message her and be like, you want to drop off your baby for a little bit? Because I would just sit and hold the baby. I would watch shows. I would go on walks outside. But that is like all I would expect of myself is to like, take care of the baby, take care of me and live in full feminine energy, especially in that fourth trimester. 100%. I agree. I think I'd be the same in the sense of well, not with a newborn, you don't sleep train, but like a lot of the things that I did was setting up like sleep success. I would do that all over again. Um, when it comes to like the, we, we didn't even have a lot of gadgets with Bryce. So I probably would buy the same amount of like baby doodads, just having a little more wisdom of like, no, you really don't need that, but you do need the booger sucker. Like you probably you probably need backup bo- booger suckers so i think i would if i had a third and it's so true where it's like you know the firstborn you just are so hard on them even if you try not to be and then the second it lightens up a little bit more because you realize the tantrums stop and then if there was a third that would be just like the free spirit i'm sorry but <laughs> that child just would and I mean, I'm not gonna say we're not trying for a third, but I'm not gonna say we're not gonna have a third because it still could possibly happen. And actually, funny story, I had a very traumatic pregnancy with Bryce, you know that, bed rest, and then he was a very tough baby the first year of his life. And around his first birthday, I had a video go up on my YouTube channel that was a QA and a about incompetent cervix. And that was something they asked all the time is, that, are you going to have more kids? And I literally was like, Bryce is going to be an only child. I said that out loud a month later, I found out I was pregnant with Jace. So, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about that, but I love our family for And I love having two boys. So that's, that is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you'd be totally different? Yes. Yeah.
1: I think, I just think, I think with the, so my two are 19 months apart. So we did two under two for like six months and it's very, very, very challenging. I just don't, think I was in a rush. I think I was in a rush a lot of. That those first like couple years. And I feel like now I would not be very similar to you, like much more present, not so much worrying about like, you know, getting back into work, getting back into these things. And, you know, I, we have the luxury of, of that. And some women don't, you know, I know women who don't have that luxury, but if you do have that luxury, I feel like I didn't fully take advantage of that. And so I would with a third. I would be much more relaxed, chill, present. Um, probably the same in terms of like the thing that holds me back is I just, I do not like sickness. I do not like
0: waking up, dealing with
1: of the night. disruption to routine. Like that stuff is very hard for me. And I feel like it's a lot to manage even just with two. And so adding like another one, um, plus I think you kind of forget the challenging parts, you know, like your, your brain glosses over that stuff. And I think that's meant to happen to get us to have more kids to procreate. You forget, you forget a lot of the challenging stuff. And as I see other family members go through it, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that again. I wouldn't Mm. want to do that again. I wouldn't want to do that again.
0: (laughs) I'm a different person when I'm sleep deprived and I have to keep reminding myself of that. And I got two fairly great sleepers. So that's what I keep telling myself and reminding myself (laughs) is like, you are an entire, I mean, even if I get just like a couple nights sleep off now, like, who are you? You monstrous mom. Like I, just, so I have to keep reminding myself of that. And I love that we kind of took this conversation into talking about motherhood. Cause I've got a topic where we're going to kind of just chat about, but what are some of those mindset and money pieces to be aware of when talking with your kids about money? You know, those situations where you're at a store and the kids want a toy. I have my, aspect and I'm sure you have yours and I think this would just be a great conversation to get into of with what you know so much about money now do you really try not to say certain things or how do you react in those types of situations where you are conversing with your little ones around money
1: so Yes, I am very, very cognizant of how I speak about money to my kids, and we've already started teaching them about money. So they they have their own wallets. They get money, and they can use that money on whatever they want. We have had conversations where – so we went to a restaurant once that had all these games, and my son used the majority of his money to play these games, and then he wanted something else and he didn't have enough money left. So we had this conversation about how you have a certain amount of money and you have to decide what you want to use your money on. And, you know, you've got to pick and choose. And sometimes if you choose this, you might not have enough left for that, you know, like just kind of teaching him because we're not just going to give you more like this is what you have. So, you know, we talk about that. They have money. They've kind of started learning how to use money. But I will, I'm, it, it's very interesting because we are at a very different place financially than when, how I grew up. So I I can buy my kids a lot of things. But, so the the hard part is when we go to the store, they'll be like, well, I want this, I want that, I want that. And I I don't want to get them that because I don't want them to just think I can get whatever I want. Mm -hmm. When they're adults, if they have the kind of money where they can get whatever they want, great. Like they can get – but I also want them – I want boundaries. And so there is like a conversation around, well, you know, we really want to think about what do we want to get. And we're not just going to get, you know, something that we we go every time to the store. But I really try hard not to say the word like expensive or – um. You know, we have to work really hard for our money because those are those are things that hold. Well, working really hard for money is one of the really big limiting beliefs that hold women back. Hard work. Got a great by podcast that,
0: episode on that. Linked in the show notes. Yes,
1: by hard work, I mean working a lot, like working more hours, putting in more time, taking more action. We have correlated that with making more money, and that is not necessarily the case. So, and when you're doing something that you're really good at, that you really love, it doesn't really necessarily feel like hard work, right? So I try not to say things like, well, that's really expensive. So we can't get that because I don't want, I I just don't want to use those terms. And I try not to talk about working really hard to Mm -hmm. earn money because I don't want to make that correlation, so it is this fine line that you walk and you're kind of like how do I how do I say it so that I get the point across that I want to get across without like planting these seeds of you know that could potentially turn into things that would hold them back. Um we do talk a lot about how we, you know, we we do work to make money and how daddy works to make money and how grandpa's work to make money and how we do have, you know, we are very privileged in how we live and how not everybody lives this way and is able to do these things. So there's a lot of like really, uh, making them aware that not everyone lives the way we live. And I think that's really important. Um, to bring that awareness so that, you know, they don't take it for granted. Um, kind of keeping them, I don't know. I, I don't know what the word is right now. My brain isn't working. But is that no, kind of answer I totally, your
0: question? <laughs> I totally get what you're saying. And I'm I'm very similar in the sense, and I just want moms to know there's gonna be times where you're like, Oh, we knocked it out of the park in that situation. And then other times you're gonna be like, um whoops but we're the same when it comes actually my kids don't come with me a lot to the store because just with the way I tried to efficiently go about my day-to-day I like that was that could go back to the spend and splurge I'm our skimp I skimp and I shop at Aldi like it's a small grocery store not a lot of choices in out you're done get on with your day and they, there's not a lot of toys in that section. So if the kids are with me, it's something cheap, and I'm like, go ahead. Because my mom and I have a lot have had a lot of conversations about this too. Because I think overall, I grew up with a great money mindset. I mean, I didn't have they didn't ever really heavily talk about the emphasis of money. It wasn't demonized. It wasn't glorified. It was just very neutral. And I, I actually do really appreciate that perspective as an adult now, but when I went shopping, we live in rural Minnesota. So when we would go shopping, it was going into town. So it was a lot of, a lot of stops. And my mom was like, you guys got things to help make it an experience of joy for you to come along with all these errands. Like we got to go to the toy section, but we also had to get groceries and we also had to, you know, stop at the store for her. I saw my mom shop for herself and I had to go into her stores. That was probably more when I was like later elementary and into high school. Like I saw my mom going into her stores. We also got to go into our stores for clothing items. And so, yes, our shopping trips I got something pretty much every time. And I don't think that made me a spoiled brat at all. And when I go to Target, yeah, I do put something a little extra in there. But a language that has worked really well for my kids majority of the time has been when they are seeing something and picking it out. Like you said, being thoughtful of what it is they are choosing. And let's say they're in the toy section, they see something really bold I will, instead of saying that's too expensive, I tend to say, oh, that's too big for today, but that would be something to put on Christmas list or birthday list. Let's take a picture of it so we remember. And I saw that on TikTok or Instagram where another mom said, you know, if your kid really wants something and it's just not something that's going to be happening today, have them take a picture with it. And my firstborn's spot on with this every time. My second born sometimes he that like triggers stubbornness in him, and he then becomes fine. Then I want nothing, and then I'm kind of like, well, that's punishing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. And I just kind of keep repeating like, that's too big for today. Kind of avoiding the word expensive, like you like said, that. and that has been helpful for in those moments. But like I said, there have been some like really yucky, nasty winter days where my husband and I looked at each other and we're like, let's go to Target. Let's let them pick out a new toy and go out to eat. And that was literally our outing. What are some of the things you have your kids or you may do in the future? Because sometimes I think with starting it too early can confuse them even more with our yes. six with our six-year-olds i kind of see how there is it's like clicking for him now what are some of the things you have that you think is a good idea to have them start doing for money
1: oh that's a good question because right now they don't really
0: do anything for money, right? So They're how do they and earn and that six. money that goes in their wallets? Is that mostly like gift money? It's
1: mostly gifted, right? Like it's gifted for, you know, Easter. My in-laws will give them $2 and, you know, they just kind of accumulate it in their wallets over time. Um, but they – that's an interesting thing because I have heard moms say they don't want to pay their kids for chores because they – want their kids to understand that this is just something that we do. Like we all we all work on making the house what we want it to be together, and that's not something that needs to be rewarded with money. So we're not at the point where we give any sort of allowance. But I have kind of thought about that. Like how are we going to do this because we – I do kind of like that perspective of we all manage this house together Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: mommy doesn't get paid for cleaning up the house. Like mommy doesn't get paid for, you know, doing the dishes or taking the trash out. These are just things that we do. Um, So it's probably going to be things that are like above and beyond just like your daily things. Maybe it's, you know, I know last year my husband Did when uh, my son helped him pick up the yard. So, you know, when the snow melts and there's tons of branches and stuff, he was like, if you, when you help me like pick up the yard, I will give you, you know, a couple dollars or something like that. My father in law has done that with my son also. Like, I will, when, if you come out and help me pick up the yard, you know, we'll do that. Um, I really do think it's important, you know, when I was growing up, my parents, I was very serious into gymnastics. So, I trained 20 plus hours a week, which is more than a part time job for most younger, you know, young teenagers. So, my parents' rule always was either you're in a sport or you have a job. Like, if you're in your sport, then you don't need to have a job because you're putting so much time into that. But if you're not going to be in a sport, then you need to have some sort of a job. And, you know, when I was in college, I worked sophomore year on for extra money. Um my parents could have given me the money, but they were like, "Nope, you this is the amount we're giving you. If you want anything above and beyond that, you're going to work for it." And I really appreciated that. When I you know, my parents have always been in a position where they could help me, and there have been many times where they haven't helped me as much as they could have because they wanted me to learn how to live on my own and make my own money and live within my means. When I moved out to LA, they did something like that. They were like, "Once you get out there and you're established, like you're not on our insurance anymore, you're we're not paying for your phone anymore, we're not paying for any of this anymore. Those are things that you have to pay for yourself even though they could have." You know, again, very fortunate that they could have done that, but I'm I'm really appreciative that they didn't because I feel like it really set me up to learn how much things cost and learn how to manage my money in a way where I was, I did learn how to, you know, live within my means. And I wasn't making much money. When I lived in LA, I was making $38,000 a year, which is not a lot of money in LA at all. (laughs) Not at all. And, you know, I was making it work. And so I have thought about that. I haven't come to any sort of conclusion about what I, what we're going to do, but I think it's important that they learn how to make their own money. They're not just given everything, even if you, if we can't afford something, not necessarily giving them the best of that thing. Um, I will say like we definitely recently are switching more in terms to less material things and more experiences. So I love travel. I love experiences with my kids. I love making memories. And I did recently just have a conversation as I was like decluttering my house and we had so many toys and my kids like keep asking for more toys. I was like, you guys – You don't even play with the toys you have like there are toys from christmas that you haven't touched there are toys from your birthday that you haven't
0: touched i feel the same way when it's like i'm not gonna pay my kids to do everyday things and care for the things that are theirs like clean their room make their beds like we have a pretty good and pick up their toys like that kind of stuff but i do see how The idea, and I've heard some financial experts talk about it, where it's like commissioned jobs, they get paid more money. So just like you talked about where helping out grandpa, helping out this. And I remember when Bryce was helping out my dad with my husband and doing some hay bale type of stuff. After that, I was like, buddy, that was like a big job. That was a lot of work that took a lot of time. And he did make a good chunk of change in helping out with that. So I'm kind of I want to instill that there's a good work ethic that needs to be had when it comes to. But I like you said, don't want to use that language around like the harder you work, the more money you make. So that's like to me, that's the trickiest one to dance around is I don't like <laughs> I I remember one time hearing somebody say, like, oh, their parents, th- that person, it was in college, and they were talking about somebody, and they were like, oh, you know, he's rich, his parents are loaded, and I remember thinking to myself, and now that you know my human design, it makes sense as to why this thought came to my mind, is I'm like, I don't care if his parents are wealthy, that does not mean he's wealthy, like, that was something that stuck out in my head of knowing, like, there, There is a huge effort that goes into doing well with money. Mm-hmm. Maybe not huge effort, it's like a, a big intention, or mm-hmm. it takes a level of intelligence and intention and effort and energy with be, becoming wealthy and mm-hmm. having it stick and having it last, right? Like we are even in the industry where we see, and I've talked on this on my podcast where we see somebody celebrate like oh i made 20k this month or whatever and our brains tend to fill in the pieces of oh my gosh they're doing so much better but we don't actually know the behind the scenes of anybody's anything because that person may not have had any income coming in in their business up until that 20k or like what's the next year gonna look like for them nobody can tell the sands of time so that's kind of the dance where i i really just want to parent on character more than anything i want to really focusize and emphasize characteristics and work ethic and being kind and being intentional and hoping that that translates around money.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I agree. I think it's instilling in our kids that you have to work. Like you don't just get to sit around, (laughs) like we all have to work to make money, but work when you're doing something that lights you up, when you're doing something you're passionate about, when you're doing something that your strengths are in that work is going to feel very rewarding. It's going to fuel you. And then it doesn't feel like hard work as much. Does, is that to say that sometimes you're, you're going to have to do things you don't want to do? Of course, we all do things within our work, within our jobs that we don't love. But I think the overarching theme is helping them and guiding them to figure out what am I really good at? What am I passionate about? How can we like mix those two things and not placing any um sort of expectation on my children about what they should be doing? You know, like my husband, we are second generation owners of his family business. And that's all he's ever done is worked in his family business. And, you know, he's talked about, well, what if someday, you know, our son wants to, and I'm like, that's great if he wants to, but one thing my parents gifted me was we also have a family business and it was never an expectation that i go into that and you know it was more about finding my own way and i really believe that that's the kind of approach i want to take with our children is i don't care what you do like as long as it's legal and you know but like let's remove the stigma off of certain things specific you know and and even this is getting so deep but even like going to college like i feel like Who knows where we're going to be at with college by the time our kids are in college? You know, when we went, when I went to college, it was very much like you have to go to college. I think things have changed. I think it's
0: going to change 100% by the time our kids go.
1: Yeah, The internet and everything that we have access to now, college is not the answer for a lot of kids. You know, a technical school or, you know, where we live, we have Um, very successful family businesses where their children just went straight into their family business and learned through experience. And so I think there's different paths. And so really just keeping your mind open to what, you know, what is the best for each child. And I'm excited to just see kind of what my children gravitate towards. Like, what are your interests? What do you end up really being good at? You know, we're just kind of getting into that, that time where you can start to see a little bit things kind of come out where you're like, oh, wow, you're really good at that. Um, but understanding that they have to work, giving them an education when it comes to money. I really believe in that. Like, this is how you use a credit card. This is how yeah. you know you have a bank account. This is how a bank account works. This is how you use a credit card. This is how you invest. This is like, how do we use money? What do we believe about money? And, and teaching them those kinds of things, I think are going to be a huge leg up. If you can't give yourself anything or your kids anything other than an education, education is huge. If you can just educate them about money, you're giving them a huge leg up. And then I think it's a balance between, you know, I know we want to set our kids, kids up monetarily, and we've already done things to, to start doing that, to help um you know we have mutual funds for our kids they each have their own bank account we have 529c accounts for our kids that we put money into so i think it's this balance of like giving giving them a leg up but not giving them everything because mm-hmm. you do see kids who are handed everything really tend to struggle in life because they they have no direction they have no path they don't know what their strengths are they've they've not been made to work for anything you you see that with very with children of very wealthy people often and you are also seeing a trend of celebrities and people with a lot of money saying they're not going to give their kids anything because they feel like the work ethic that they had and that was instilled in them growing up is what created their wealth so I think it's it was everything it's a balance between the two you know it's not all the way in one direction and it's not all the way in the other direction. And I think you have to kind of figure out what that balance is for you. Um, We're just at the very beginning stages with the ages of our kids and it is something that is very top of mind and I think it'll evolve kind of as they grow.
0: Yeah. And I definitely was like reading the books on like the chores and that kind of thing on kids way too early. I think it's, like now six ish. I mean, I would probably even say there's, there's really no. And even now, if you guys have like 12 year olds or whatever, I don't think it's ever at all too late. And like Lauren mentioned, if you can do one thing for your kids is teaching them those life skills. And people say this all the time, so much about public schools, like, why didn't we learn this in school? I don't want school teaching my kids that. I do not want school teaching my kids this a lot of things and money being one of them I did have like we grew up small town Midwest so we did have uh it's literally a class called life skills it's kind of like the modern home ec at the time we had somebody come in from a bank but I do remember my parents sharing with me how they feel about credit card usage and all of that and i do think that was very beneficial because they did present it in the way of like how they use it but me i also know i'm my own person and i can then okay this is what my parents taught me and i think even if my parents didn't teach me perfectly even if i don't teach my kids perfectly. At least the conversation was there. So money wasn't taboo. And guess what, ladies, it circles back to the beginning of this episode. That means you start educating yourself. And I do not care if you are a stay at home mom and you don't consider yourself to have a monetary income coming in. I do think it is a personal responsibility to understand finances. And guess what? If you're standing on the hill of, I don't really know much about money. Oh, it's it's not cute anymore. It's not cute. It's not cute. Guess what? It's a skill. It's a skill and it's something that you can learn. There are books, there are free podcasts, Lauren's being one of them, where you can start learning about how to be better air quotes with your money, more intentional with your own money. And so I think that does just like wrap us back into the beginning of this episode where it, it those minutiae things we put, I talk about this all the time in motherhood related topics. Like we put so much energy and F emphasis into minutiae things like how to calm down a tantrum, how to, get your kid into the car with seamless transitions. But what really matters is those life skills, teaching them about money, teaching them about emotional regulation, teaching them about being kind to others, anger management. Like those are in-depth life skills, but we get so bombarded with like, here's how to potty train your toddler in two days. And it's like, (laughs) there's so many bigger facets. And I think if we, as women shift it from seeing an issue at hand into the overall character and life skills for our kids, they're going to have a totally different outlook on it. And I, I even try to express all the time to my oldest that I'm, this is the first time I'm a mom. And mom isn't always right. And mom's going to make mistakes. And so like, please talk to me if I'm ever making you feel uncomfortable or all of that. And he still doesn't have that. I don't think has the concept of what I said and what that actually means. But the first time I said it to him, I was like, "Ooh, wow, like that was a slice of humble pie. And then I've said it a couple more times, especially because we all as moms have those outburst moments where you're like, why did I outburst over that? Like, that was so ridiculous. And I just remind them of that mommy just got way out of my own body and I made a mistake and I don't want to react in that way. I'm so sorry. This is the first time I'm being a mom. And I, that was overreacting. And I think that all stems from, looking at the bigger picture of parenting is we're not raising an extension of ourselves. we're raising an individual who's going to become a grown-up and guess what a grown-up needs to understand money at some point and and it's fair to say when I said that with the school system I don't want the school sk- system teaching my kid that kind of stuff or them to solely be responsible for teaching because as we talked about in earlier of this episode other people define wealth differently Mm -hmm. and yeah I do kind of want my kids to value and have similar values to what I have am I going to trust some person to really instill values that Mm -hmm. I want to instill for my kids so while I don't think like when I say I think it is the responsibility of each individual parent to teach on money and wealth and things like that. That I mean, that's just like are we? like I understand. My parents taught me what they know. I'm teaching my kids what I know, but it still can lead into this, this isn't taboo. And I do feel educated and I feel like I am aligned with what wealthy is for us. And I do want to teach my kids that does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it comes back to it starts with us. There's no excuse anymore in my opinion, for any woman to say, she doesn't know anything about money. I think that is a personal choice you make at this point. And I really want to encourage you if you've not been involved with your finances to start getting involved, start asking questions. If you have a significant other, if you have a husband, start asking, like, can I see our bank accounts? Like, what are we doing with our money? why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? What does this mean? What does that mean? And just start educating yourself because you can't educate someone if you're not educated. You It starts with you. And the days are gone of just passing this off right mm-hmm. to other people. And so if you're like, well, I can't talk to them because I don't know anything. Well, start listening to some podcasts. There are some great people you can follow on Instagram, people that I follow that teach me every day about finances and investing and money and completely free, right? So you, there are, you have resources, start asking questions, start getting involved just so that you have a basic knowledge because you can't teach what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know until you know it. And you definitely can't teach your kids anything about anything if you don't know about it. So Mm -hmm. if you want to, you know, I said money beliefs are passed down from generation to generation. If you want to really make an impact on your kids when it comes to money, teach yourself about money and then you can teach them about money. And I don't think there's any excuse at this day and age for women not to understand money even at like a basic level and understand what's going on in their life with money. And I, I just want to caution you that really like, I don't want to scare anyone, but like I've seen really bad things happen when women remove themselves from the money conversation in terms of, you know, splitting up and having no education around money, feeling like you had no understanding of what was happening with your finances in a relationship i've seen women lose their husbands and their husband was the one who took care of all the money and then all of a sudden that person is gone and they have no clue what is going on and things are like even
0: if it's just for you knowing (laughs) knowing websites and passwords of things because like you said that has happened. And unfortunately, I mean, you expressed the loss that you guys had close and near to dear. I've seen friends go through that too. And it would be so like airhead to think that that can't, could, couldn't be us. Mm -hmm. And so even, even if, you know, you're like, well, I'm a stay at home mom. And well, then, you know, can you be the one that puts files together? Like there are literally Um, financial folders on Amazon, where it's like your health insurance, your da-da-da, your da-da-da-da-da, and you put your little papers and put your like passwords and how to get in there, whatever it is, onto there, fold it up, and then at least you've got something, Mm
1: -hmm. something,
0: right? And with your marriage and your partnership, you are equal in resources. Like do do tell your spouse you can only go to this half of the house. You can't you can't have you can't access that. You can't eat off of that dish cuz you weren't the one that cleaned it. You you know like you can't drive my car because that's my car. No, with money it's the same too. And I hope that you even have I would hope that any one of you have a partner that's like, "Yes, let's be a team in our finances and not just an individual dictatorship." Right. And also, I think if you're in a healthy partnership, they would be excited to be like, this is what we're doing. And I definitely think if you are on a one income household, having more of those intimate conversations of like, "Okay, this is how we could allocate that. You have skills. Your partner has skills. Put those skills together and you guys can be super savvy, even with if there's just one income stream coming in. And you'll probably become very impressive to your partner as you educate yourself, because it's hot, it's sexy, smart is sexy in women, and it doesn't intimidate strong, confident men. And I would bet for a lot of you ladies listening, you might think your partner doesn't want you involved in that space and place, but if you started to just step in. They'd be like, yeah, this partnership, this partnership feels so much better. Think about if you were set to do just the parenting on your own. I feel like a heavy load. It is a heavy load doing the yeah. finances on their own, too. That's also a heavy load. Right. And if you can help and be in partnership of that, I think it'll be a beautiful thing. So thank you, my friend, for coming on today and chatting with us and having all of the conversations. How can they connect with you um, and pimp yourself out of all you've got going on?
1: So actually the main place to
0: connect with me now
1: is through my podcast called The Wealthy Woman. I release episodes, two episodes per week, and it's all about creating wealth in the in terms of money, in terms of your business or career, if you have a business career, but also in other areas of your life. So it's all about creating true wealth. And what I define true wealth as is wealth in all areas, whether that be relationships, um, self-care, trips motherhood to Disney. trips, to Disney <laughs> travel, you know, like our life isn't just about money and business that's a that's a or career, that's a, a good portion of it, but. We want to create wealth in all areas. So you also can find me on Instagram at Lauren underscore Francois. And if you are interested in really diving into your money mindset, what your money beliefs are and starting to shift those things, identify where you're holding yourself back, where you have... Subconscious programming that was probably planted there when you were a child. And if you're ready to really elevate yourself with money, to elevate your relationship with money, I do have a course called The Money Mind. It is on sale for the month of May. So I'll have Joelle link that in the comments. And that really is all about diving into money mindset, money identity, and really starting to create change at that level so that then when we start to change what we're doing, the actions we're taking, it sticks, it lasts. We don't revert back to old behaviors and old habits because our money identity and our money beliefs don't align with what we're trying to do. So those are my three main things that I've got going on right now. And thank you so much for having me, Joelle. This has been such an awesome conversation and I love how we really tied it into motherhood and raising our kids and the impact that this conversation has on those things because that's why I'm so passionate about this because we, I feel like we really can make such a big impact that lasts for generations to come. If we're willing to just step up and do this work and it can impact our lives, our families, our kids, our network in such a positive way. So ladies educate yourself, get involved start to learn about money, um, I think that we have that responsibility at this point in our lives.
0: Absolutely. I 100% agree. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation and what we talked about. And I promised at the end here, I would give a little biblical perspective because of that project that I was working on years ago. And it really opened my eyes up to what the world says and really... Lauren talked about in the episode about how the world does depict this vision of a woman that's wealthy as somebody who is a bitch, like somebody who nobody likes and a man doesn't want, and equally I see a different message of the women go to Target, all the things in the Target cart just bounce into her cart and spend, 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 and that's really where I was like, huh. That's interesting because I'm going to give two parts biblically where I really want you to go into God's word, but I have a whole Bible study in the Feminine Edge Collective on the Proverbs 31 woman, and she really opened up my eyes. And remember, the Proverbs 31 woman is written by a woman, and she's writing to her son about the type of life partner she wants him to to have and so this is written not by a biblical man saying how women should be this is coming from a mother's love of giving um, her son guidance on the type of woman she hopes for him to be with right and really verses 11 through 18 is what stuck out to me or yeah, 11 through 18. Did I say 13? 11 through 18, where it's really talking about she finds wool and fat flax and busily spins it. She's like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up at dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and a plan for the day's work for her servant girls. And so she has help. She doesn't do this solo. But in verse 16, it says, she goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard and she is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable and her lamp burns late into the night. And so really highlighting the verses 16 through 18, because in this portion, it's showcasing women making an income, investing so their dealings are profitable. They have say and are involved in the resources that they have. And at this time when it was written, it wasn't like the monetary numbers in a bank account. It was with things. And this Proverbs 31 woman inspected a field. She bought it and her earnings, she took that land, planted a vineyard and her deals were profitable. So I really want to encourage you, you know, pray, pray over yourself, get centered and connected and carry this conversation to God on how You really can play a role in wealth and finances for your family. The other one is Matthew 25 verses 14 through 30. And this is the parable of the loaned money. And I really want you to think about this as resources. And Jesus is the one sharing this parable. I love verse 29 where at the end of all of what happens, which basically it's talking about when you are given a resource, we are guided to turn around and use it, invest it, and have it become something more than what we were given. And verse 29 is, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even even with what little they have, will be taken away. And I thought that that also was something that stood out to me of guidance and being told to be responsible with our money. And whether you're a stay-at-home mom, you're working and you have an income from outside the home or you're an entrepreneur, with what resources can you use and invest in some way. And I really think that with the Proverbs 31 and this parable, it was very clear to me that we are called to be wise with our money and not just be that frivolous, flouncy, I'm gonna go to Target and I'm like that spend, spend, spend consumerism mindset. And so I wanted to end on that This episode is lengthy, but I do want to hear from you, so send me a DM on your thoughts of this episode, what your favorite aha moment was, follow Lauren, check the show notes for detailed resources. There'll also be a timeline of what we talked about certain topics, so if you want to come back to this episode and listen to a certain segment, all of that timestamp outline will be in the show notes. Talk to you later, friend. Thank you so much for listening today, my friend. And if you loved this episode, before you go, can you share it with a friend or leave a rating and review? It's a small gesture that means a lot to me and helps the podcast reach even more ladies who are wanting to live in sync in a well-rounded way with their life using their cycle as their guide. If you want to see more of the day-to-day stuff in my life, come on over to my Instagram. It's just my name, Joelle Cease. I will leave anything and everything mentioned in the podcast details in the show notes. So don't forget to check those out. Thanks again. And I will catch you next time.